Hey, what up, guys? It's Josh. Um, we're going to get right into it. Having a great day today on a roll. Let me clear my throat real quick. Okay, so um, we're on a roll. Got a lot of episodes today. Feeling good. Not so much brain fog. So here we go. Okay, so um, we're going to start with patterns of disease inheritance right now, okay? But before we get into that, I wanted to give you guys some basic terminology that I'm going to be using. So a genotype is the genetic makeup at a particular locus, right? That's the genotype. Now, this particular makeup of gene, right, at that specific uh, locus of DNA can result in a phenotype, which is the observable expression of that genotype, okay? Alleles are alternative variants of uh, a gene, right? So like this, uh, this gene can have genotype A and genotype B, right? And those are alleles A and B, okay? They're just variants, but the same gene, okay? So a heterozygote has two different alleles of a gene, right? So a person will have basically from chromosome, uh, on chromosome from, you know, dad, He'll have allele A, and then on chromosome from mom, he's going to have allele B, right? So he's AB, has two different ones, therefore he's a heterozygote. But a homozygote is going to get A from mom and dad. So he's going to have alleles AA, he's going to be a homozygote, okay? So when you're amorphic, another thing is when you have a complete loss of protein function due to, pro, uh, due to mutations, that's called amorphic. Hypomorphic is when you have reduced protein function right? Caused by mutations, right? You either have reduced protein function or decreased levels of them. And then hypermorphic is when you have gain of function, right? So they have too much, uh, either too much protein or too much um, um, uh, function. So what, so I want to give you an idea. The reason I bring this up is because when somebody has, we'll get into this, but when you have autosomal dominant, right? You're a heterozygote. Um, you have, uh, you know, big R, little r alleles. You're going to have a gain of function usually with autosomal dominant um, mutations. And you're going to have too much protein function or protein, and that's going to cause, and that's enough, right? So usually autosomal dominant uh, mutations give you hypermorphic protein, whereas um, amorphic and hypomorphic. These are usually caused by loss of function, and this is due to basically either protein being underfunctional or you're just not making any of it. So that requires you to have autosomal recessive or two recessive um, alleles, right? So that's that's that. I've talked about dominant negative already, so I won't go back in. But just remember, if you have like a protein that has four different monomers that make up its like tertiary structure, coronary structure. I'm sorry, not tertiary structure, it's coronary structure. If one of those doesn't work, that protein will be non-functional. That's called a dominant negative mutation, okay? So heterogeneity, right? The locus, this is the same phenotype occurs for mutations at two or more different loci, but allelic, so that's locus heterogeneity, right? We talked about that, locus heterogeneity. That's when you can have like the same disease state but from different mutations, okay? But you can have allelic heterogeneity as, as well, which is when you have the same disease state, but it occurs from different, multiple different mutations at the same loci. So let's say you have like one locus of a gene 
and when there's a mutation at the at like the beginning of that locus, you get the you get a specific disease phenotype. But if you have a mutation towards the end of that locus, you're still going to get the same disease phenotype. So it doesn't require you to change your locus. So locus heterogeneity, right? That's when you have uh, uh, basically along a along a DNA strand, you can have different mutations at different gene locuses, but it results in the same type of phenotype. Whereas uh, allelic heterogeneity is when you have um, different mutations along this one gene, but it results in the same phenotype. Okay, okay, we're doing good. I think things are making sense. So mosaicism, this is what I was trying to describe with the uh, mitochondrial DNA in the previous episode, but you can have germline mosaicism. You can also have somatic mosaicism, right? So somatic mosaicism is when you have genetically different cell lines presented present in uh, somatic cells, right? So like somatic cells are the cells that are not in your sperm or your uh, ovum. These are everything else. And basically at some point you had a mutation um, right before a cell underwent mitosis, right? Resulting in like different genetic um, uh, traits between those two cell lines, okay? Or between those two uh, basically somatic cells, okay? But a germline mutation happens during, um, uh, can happen during, uh, what do you call it? Um, mitosis, meiosis, right? And that one is when you have basically these um, these uh, sperms or ovum will, despite undergoing the same, uh, having the same genes originally, a mutation occurs during that process, giving them a different uh, genetic makeup, okay? We've talked about uh, pleiotropy. This is when multiple organs are affected by the effects of a single mutation. We have variable, we've talked about variable expressivity, which is when the effects of the same genetic variation range from mild to severe, right? You can have the same genotype, but different um, phenotypes, okay? We've talked about penetrance and how like, sometimes you can have a disease like neurofibromatosis where like somebody can have really, really high levels of these neurofibromas or really low levels, but they'll have the same genetic uh, traits. So I wanna get into it now, okay? We've done a quick rehash of like important stuff to know. Let's talk about dominant alleles. So a dominant allele is when one trait, one, one phenotype is apparent, right? Because of basically the dominant allele of that chromosome, okay? So when one trait is apparent, when only one chromosome carries a mutant allele, right? Recessive alleles will not display their phenotype unless both, um, both chromosomes have that mutation, okay? So if mom and dad, if, mom, if dad, or yeah, whoever gives you the dominant allele in a, is gonna display that phenotype, whereas the recessive allele is not gonna be uh, displayed. The phenotype of the recessive allele is not gonna be displayed. Okay, let's get into it. We're finally there. I tried to blast through that for you. Um, we're gonna be getting into pedigrees and modes of inheritance, okay? So, um, you need to understand what a pedigree is. Circles are females, squares are men. I like to remember that, that all men are squares. However you want to do that. <laughs> but anyways, so the men are squares, the females are circles, and people with diseases are usually indicated via being like colored in, okay? Diseases are um, diseased patients uh, that have died um, are going to be colored in with a cross through them. People who have died but... Um, don't know that um, don't have the disease will have um, a cross through them as well. So a cross through them means deceased. But you have to remember, somebody can die before showing 
um, before showing a um, uh, phenotype, right? They can die before showing disease. So that's not always, you know, you got you to gotta remember that. The other thing I want to say is I should go back and say this. People who are colored in, like, are uh, homozygous, whereas people who are only half shaded are going to be heterozygous, right? So I'm sorry for uh, saying that earlier, but that's just the way that I like to think about things is they either have the full, full disease state or the half disease state, right? But that's not how you should think about it. You should think about it as based on alleles, right? So people who uh, are not carried, uh, who are not colored in, do not have the um, allele of interest. Um, and, and the people who are colored in ha are homozygous for the allele of interest, and then people who are half-shaded are heterozygous for the allele of interest, okay? Um, let's get into it. Autosomal dominant, okay? Autosomal dominant is when um, a disease state or allele of interest is, in, is, uh, is inherited and then displays its phenotype. Um, and you only need to be basically heterozygous for it to display the phenotype. You can be homozygous and display the phenotype, but if you're heterozygous for this and you have this dominant allele, you're going to display that phenotype as well. This affects males and females at equal frequency, and it does not skip generations, right? If dad is autosomal dominant for this uh, disease, and he, um, let's say he's autosomal dominant, he's heterozygous for this, um, and then uh, mom is uh, is does not have this genetic makeup, and him and her make uh, offspring, right? That um, that basically the chances of um, them having children, especially with this fifty percent, it's fifty percent likely that he's going to pass on this autosomal dominant allele. So fifty percent, you would expect fifty percent of his offspring to be um to have this uh you know specific allele of interest if he's 100 percent, if he has both dominant alleles all of the children will be affected right because mom is just giving recessive alleles dad gives an uh he's only able to give dominant alleles dominant alleles always show the phenotype okay does not skip generations in that case right so that's uh that's things to keep in mind right so um let's go let's talk about this um uh, some examples of this, right? Um, this usually, oh, by the way, I want to mention this. So autosomal dominant, right? So remember how I said these are like, um, you only need to make like one abnormal protein and things are already messed up. So this is usually going to be structural genes. That's what I want you to think about. Autosomal dominant, the way you should be thinking about the disease uh, phenotypes uh, appearing are in structural genes, okay? So, and they're often pleiotropic. Remember, pleiotropy is when uh, several organs are affected. So examples of this are von Willebrand's disease. This is the most common and most, most commonly tested autosomal dominant disease. Hunting's, Huntington's disease is autosomal dominant. Osteogenesis imperfecta. Achondroplasia, which, is, um, which you shouldn't call, but it's, uh, it's what causes people to basically have short statures or they'll have dwarfism. Um, which I don't think is the appropriate term anymore, but that's what achondroplasia is. Marfan syndrome is another example. Neuro neurofibromatosis type 1 is autosomal dominant and then acute intermittent porphyria. We haven't talked about many of these diseases. I just wanted to give you some examples, okay? So an affected child must receive this disease from an affected parent. Does that make sense? The apparent is autosomal dominant. They, they're going to be affected by this allele, this dominant allele, right? So by that same thing, a child 
will be affected and you can almost guarantee if this child has a autosomal dominant disease, that parent, if they haven't been tested for it yet, needs to be tested because um, both parents need to be tested because one of them is carrying this autosomal dominant allele and will have the disease if it's, if it's a th the type of disease that um, doesn't have, um, you know, um, incomplete penetrance, okay? So a homozygote dominant parent has a 100, this is what I was talking about, a homozygote dominant parent has a 100% chance of having an affected child, whereas two heterozygote parents, right, with the autosomal dominant disease condition have a 75% chance of having a child with the disease phenotype. Remember, right, um, the, the parent has 50% chance, one parent has 50% chance, the other parent has 50% chance, right? of passing on this autosomal dominant allele. So 25% of their children will get this autosomal recessive allele, or I'm sorry, just the recessive phenotype. But 75% of them, they'll either be, uh, two will be heterozygous and then one will be homozygous with this autosomal dominant allele, making for 75% of their children to be um, Homozygous. This is when both parents are heterozygotes. If only one parent is heterozygote, then it's a 50% chance, uh, I believe, of um, being, um, uh, what do you call it? The 50% the, the chance of passing this on to their offspring. Okay, great. We've ripped through autosomal dominant. Um, this you have to just write down um, and sort of listen to a few times for it to make complete sense. I hope it did. Let's get into autosomal recessive, okay? Male and female genders are um, effective with autosomal recessive, right? These are not linked to their um, sex chromosomes, X or Y. So it's going to be uh, affecting females and males evenly. The generations that are usually affected is basically one-fourth of the offspring affected when both parents are carriers. So when parents are carriers, they're both heterozygous, so they're not going to display this autosomal recessive where you need two alleles in order to display a phenotype. So the parents are not going to usually display uh, disease phenotypes. They're not going to be an affected person. But when they're children, which there's a 25% chance, if you do like one of these um, diagrams where you write down their alleles, they'd be A, big A, little a, and uh, for mom, and then big A, little a for dad. And then when you, you know, combine these, it'd be big A, big A, big A, little a, big A, little a, and then one box would be little a, little a. And that is going to be that one-fourth or 25% of the offspring affected, right? So half of the offspring are carriers when both parents are carriers, okay? So um, they're carriers, right? Remember how I was saying they are big A, little a? That means they're heterozygous and they're carriers, and they're not going to be affected by this phenotype because they, have the, because they still have, like, the big A, the healthy, the healthy, um, uh, allele and the healthy protein, but they have a chance of uh, basically um, passing this off to their offspring, and it'll usually appear um, basically one generation past the line. Okay, and 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 this is the unfortunate thing. The the, the unfortunate thing about um, autosomal uh, recessive diseases is they usually reappear if there's consanguinity, and consanguinity is um, when you have like incest. Not, I mean, incest is like. You don't have to have incest. It can be between cousins. It doesn't have to necessarily be between siblings. But it's when you have like the same family um, procreating with each other. Um, okay. This is usually, um, and you remember with autosomal dominant, autosomal dominant, you're going to have like um, a lot of structural genes, you know, like a 
mitochondroplasia, you're dealing with um, collagen, osteogenesis, imperfecta, dealing with collagen. These are all autosomal dominant diseases. With autosomal recessive diseases, you have to basically lose complete function and then it won't work anymore. And that's something like where enzymes, right? If you're not, if you're even you're making a little bit of an enzyme, you're still gonna show. And that's why, you know, if you have big A, little a, that big A is gonna be making enough enzyme that you're not gonna display the disease phenotype. But the moment you're not making any enzyme anymore, you have little a, little a, right? You're gonna have this disease phenotype. So it makes sense that like defects and enzymes are the big one here, okay? So usually the presenting time for these are like right away. You're not making any disease. There's no time for this to like, um, for you to like sort of be okay, right? Um, like a lot of autosomal dominant ones, these present in like puberty or later, whereas autosomal recessive uh, like will present like at birth or in early childhood, okay? So these are going to be like super severe. Like I said, they're presenting way earlier and they're increased with chances of what I mentioned was consanguinity, which is like um, family, uh, inter-family uh, procreation. Okay, so some examples of this are going to be like your classic and most tested one is going to be cystic fibrosis, which is a deficiency in the chloride channel uh, like trans, uh, transport um, protein. Basically is like important for like you to bring chloride into cells and like... Um, uh, and also push chloride out into cells. And like what happens in cystic fibrosis is you don't have enough of this like uh, enzymatic protein transporter. So what happens is like um, uh, you end up like not pushing enough chlorine out into your um, like lungs, which will draw water out. So you end up getting this like really thick mucus buildup in your lungs. You end up getting like large clusters of like bacteria because of it, because you just are literally, it's too thick to clear. <clears throat> and that's what ends up causing like all this lung disease and issues. You also get inborn errors of metabolism. Um, this is another type of autosomal recessive diseases. It's like a huge group. It's too big to go over today. A few key examples are like von Gerks and like uh, Pompe's disease. But we'll go through this later on when we actually go through um, metabolism. Sickle cell anemia is an autosomal recessive disease. Thalassemia is another type, which we haven't gone over. Albinism. There's autosomal recessive polycystic kidney disease. We'll talk about that um, later on when we're going through renal and then hemochromatosis. So these are your some examples of autosomal recessive. It's not a complete list, um, but it's just important for you to understand. So when you're doing autosomal, hopefully you understand autosomal dominant. Hopefully you understand autosomal recessive now. The next one that I'm going to talk to, this episode is getting a little bit long, so I'm actually going to do this in two parts, are X-linked diseases. And basically the non-autosomal um, uh, modes of inheritance, okay? This is where stuff can get sort of tricky. So I'm going to save this for our next episode. Our next episode, we're going to continue with modes of inheritance. We're going to talk about X-linked recessive, dominant, X-linked dominant, and mitochondrial inheritance. We'll see you there. You're killing it. You're doing great. I'm so proud of you. Keep it up.